Hello again, everybody, and welcome back to another exciting edition of Pop of the Culture. Yeah. You may recognize that uh, docile tones of Evan Morris there. <laughs> Uh, also, along with him is me, uh, Matt Morris. Uh, we are a, a father and son combo. Yeah, we are. Uh, it's our whole our whole lives, our relationship has been father and son. It's been really cool. I'm the son. Yes, and, and he's I, the father. I'm the father. I'm the father. <laughs> but uh, we are, uh, of course, smack in the middle of our what will likely be a never ending series of going through the Marvel Cinematic Universe, uh, movie by movie, one at a time. Uh, today, of course, getting into Thor. Thor. The original the God Thor. God of Thunder. May 6th, 2011 was the uh, Sydney, Australia premiere of the movie Thor. Uh, it, of course, then went on to premiere here in uh, uh, the Americas, and I assume the rest of the world, I don't know, <laughs> about a week later. Uh, maybe a month later? I don't know. I don't know. It seems like I should have that information. They, yeah, they used to premiere the Marvel movies like about a month earlier in other countries. Well, I think, ours. don't they like sometimes specifically still... specifically in London. Don't they still premiere them a little bit early sometimes? I don't... Like maybe like, a couple, maybe of like a couple days or a I week think, early? Yeah, like like a, if, if anything, like a week or a couple days early. Yeah, I think that's still fairly common practice, but, but I don't know. We've, this we, is we're living in I, a post-COVID world, Evan. We tend to stay off the internet. Everything's different now. That week. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, uh, of course, as I uh, alluded to in a uh, somewhat jocular manner, uh, this is a could be a never-ending series because Marvel just keeps on chugging along, and and in that spirit, of course, we 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 and I think in our last episode mentioned that we had uh, seen or were going to see Shang-Chi. Yes. Which we did. We actually saw it twice. Yeah. Fantastic. Two days in a row, actually. Yeah, we saw it uh, here on opening night, here being our hometown, and then we, uh, you and I, yeah. uh, ventured uh, up to... Up to Sac Anime. To... the state capital of California. Yeah. <laughs> for a little something called Sac Anime. Yes. Uh, and we saw it again. We that... saw the movie again. With... With the Sack Anime crowd, yes, which was really <laughs> which, fun, which, and an IMAX, yeah, IMAX that, theater, Sack Anime crowd, really fun, good energy, it, it, and I, I think I loved it better the second time. Yeah, it, was it, it, it was so much fun, and and and, I, and I'm just gonna quickly acknowledge, I think Shang Chi might be, it, it's one of my favorites oh, of the it's MCU. So good. I, I mean, I, we haven't gotten to it yet, obviously, so I don't know where it's gonna end up in our overall rankings. Yeah, but. I okay. mean, still it, got a long way to go before it, we get to Shang Chi. Well, yes, we do. I mean, gotta keep drinking my tea, keep the voice loose. But it, uh, it definitely gave me top five energy, if you know what I'm saying. Yes. Now I'm not saying that's where it's going to land, but it felt that way yeah. watching the movie. It was very good, great, amazing performances, great storytelling, great action, great uh, villain too, unique imagery, uh, different kind of film. Uh, I mean, I mean, it it fits very clearly very cleanly in the MCU but it still had uh there was just some different kind of things going on than yeah. anything we've seen prior in the MCU so very fun we're not gonna obviously this isn't a spoiler show so we're not gonna get into all that we'll do that when we actually get to that movie uh about four years from now no, I'm just <laughs> <laughs> all right that's assuming that your computer doesn't mess us up again <laughs> that's right I should address that if you're thinking to yourself didn't you do Iron Man 2 about four years ago <laughs> Well, it may seem that way. It was actually maybe a month ago, but we had recorded our <laughs> Thor episode, and uh, I, I, in fact, I had just flown in from Asgard for that, and my arms were so Thor. 
<laughs> Sorry. It's a little dad joke in me coming out there. But anyway, yeah. uh, we had actually recorded our Thor episode, and uh, as happened with Iron Man 2, a bunch of the wave files just vanished, disappeared, gone, couldn't be retrieved. Reduced to atoms. And I was getting ready to re-record, sit, sit you down and say, we need to re-record stuff. And I just thought, no, this is dumb. This is going to keep happening. We got to start from scratch. So out with the old and with the new. Got a new computer that we're using now for this. And uh, hopefully everything's going to be cleaner and things won't disappear. And uh, it's going to be a good thing. Yes, it will. (laughs) But anyway, we got to get into uh, today's episode. Today is Thor. Thor, baby. uh, As I said, 2011. Uh, This is the fourth movie in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Uh, Iron Man 2 and The Incredible Hulk definitely steps down Mm. uh, in terms of overall quality i think from iron man still good solid movies uh but but by now we kind of know that we're headed for an eventual avengers movie yes which has fans uh both comic book fans longtime marvel fans and new fans sort of jumping in with the movies all sort of freaked out about the possibility of a movie bringing all these heroes together it's a crazy idea but first we have to get through this crazy idea at least it was to yes. me when this movie came out. This is and this is where we're just kind of setting part of what we like to do here uh, on on the show uh, in our little review is to try to go back in time and remember what was the general feeling going into each of these movies, especially in Phase One when it was all so brand new. Yeah, and like like I should point out that while I was a comic book fan as a kid, there were a lot of characters and stories that I did not know much about before the MCU. Sure. And Thor was definitely one of those characters. Most of the characters I didn't know much about mm-hmm. were from that more cosmic background well, of and, the Marvel Universe. Well, and that was, for me... What I I can remember, so this was 2011. So you were what were you about 12 maybe when this came out? 13, yeah, uh, yeah, I think so. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I knew that Thor existed, and sure. I and I had seen him in things before, but I had did, but I didn't know really anything about him. Right, and, and I even knew of Loki, but didn't know much about him either. But the but the part of it to me that I remember thinking how are they going to do this, was just, as you pointed out, it's sort of the more cosmic element yeah. of, of Marvel storytelling, which so far we've been very grounded in the realities of Earth. Mm-hmm. Now, obviously, we've had the sci-fi and fantasy elements of the Iron Man suit and gamma radiation turning Bruce Banner into the Hulk, and those are all very sensationalistic ideas, but still all taking place on what we know and what we are familiar with. Now we are entering... Other realms of yes. space. Other what's now of of space, you say? And Thor <laughs> from the magical land of Asgard with rainbow bridges that transfer you to different planets and realms. And yeah. It's like, what? <laughs> and so I just remember And he thinking, controls thunder. He's the god of thunder. Yeah, I, I and his father's, a, his father's king and his brother I, is... Honestly, I didn't even know all of that. All I knew was... Thor is this sort of mythical, weird, fantasyic, outer space thing that I just remember thinking, how are they going to tell that in the same, within the context of the story that we've had so far with Iron Man and Hulk, right? Mm -hmm. I didn't understand how they were going to do it. I thought this could, this might... (laughs) This might derail their efforts to lead to an Avengers movie. You're going to lose the general audience. 
But let's see. So we're going to pause for a couple of seconds, uh, at least what will seem like a couple of seconds to you. Yep. Uh, for We're going to now go back and once again, <laughs> for the second time in about a month, watch Thor so, that it's, fr- so it's fresh Thor. in our minds so we can actually talk about it. Let's see how it goes. We got uh, Chris Hemsworth starring in Marvel's Thor. We'll be back in a minute. And we're back. We are back. Just like that. Liggity split. Ding dong doom and a bibi dot boom. I don't know what any of that means. Me neither. <laughs> we just watched Thor. Yes. I know it seemed like a few seconds to you. I'm going to say that every time, every episode. I know that seemed like a few seconds to you. Yeah. But it was a couple of hours for us. So anyway. Yes. Uh, Thor. The God of Thunder. 2011 Marvel's Thor. Uh, all those things we talked about earlier uh are uh, at least from my perspective i'm gonna guess my perspective was a little bit different in 2011 than yours because Mm. you were still a kid you know a 12 year old kid who was just fired up to see superheroes coming to life yeah and that's awesome yeah yeah and you're like thor yeah bring it on where again (laughs) i'm like thor really yeah but uh, i think the before we get into the cast and all that kind of stuff, just just to just to respond to that concern, to me, possibly the most brilliant thing they did with this movie was not spend a lot of time trying to convince us that this is a thing that exists. Mm-hmm. Asgard and different realms and the Bifrost and the Rainbow Bridge and all these different things. They just well. First of all, they started by grounding us right in the middle of New Mexico, about as earthy an earth place as you can get. Yes, and uh, they you know introduce us to a couple other characters, uh, Doctor Selvig, Jane Foster, Darcy, yeah. and they're out there doing experiments. And of course, they crash into who we know as Thor. They don't know who he is, and they they sort of ask the question, you know, who are you? Uh, is that what she says? She when says, she, where did he come from? Where did he come from? That's what, where did he come from? Brilliant transition. And from there, so now they've grounded us in Earth, mm. and then they spend about two minutes telling us the story of Thor, or of Asgard, of of the realms of the universe, in a way that makes it seem like a children's storybook of sorts. Yeah. We're hearing the voice of Odin, Thor's father. Played telling, by Anthony Hop- Hop- Played by the amazing Hop- Sir Hopkins. Anthony Hopkins. Hopkins. I, I forgot how to say his name for a second. <laughs> and, and they sort of just walk us through, so here's the deal. Like a thousand years ago or so, yeah. you know, we were here and... We interacted with the Vikings of of Earth's past, and they sort of, you know, knew who we were, and all these things happened, and then we kind of went away. Like mankind once accepted that we were real. Yeah, and over the course of time, we became, uh, you know, ideas of mythology and whatnot, but no, we're there, and we're out in the universe, yeah. and we're protecting the universe, and we saved the universe uh, yeah. from the frost giants once, yeah, and you know, and we, all this stuff happens. Like the frost giants fell, and right. we took their power away from them. Yeah, and and now that's you know, and now here we are on Asgard, and I've got my small children, and I'm telling them the story of how I defeated the frost giants, and it's like, as the audience, I, I distinctly remember. 
having the reaction after that little two-minute sort of children's story <laughs> explaining how Asgard can be real, uh, I remember just kind of going, okay, and that was it. <laughs> I was in. From that moment forward, I could accept and buy into everything that was about to happen. Because mm-hmm. I th- And I think that was part of my concern was that they were going to spend much of this movie trying to get us to buy in to this idea of Asgard and mm-hmm. Thor and space and and the broader universe of that exists within Marvel comics but instead they spent 2 minutes just going here's the deal that's it let's move on hmm. and it worked i bought in and everything after that was was do whatever you want i'm good and it was great yeah do you, can you re- do you remember at all like your reaction to this movie as a twelve year old seeing it for the first time? I think so. Like parts of it, like I like like I I, I seem to remember thinking like, oh, the frost giants are in this movie because I had, I actually knew about them from like a video game that I played, uh, like called Marvel Ultimate Alliance. Uh, shout out to my Marvel Ultimate Alliance <laughs> players out there. I I thought, hmm, the frost giants are in this game. I mean, in this movie. And I didn't know about their connection to Loki, or at least I didn't know that much about. Their and that's and that's Loki. canon. That's canonical yes. within yes. The, the comics. Yes, Loki yep. is a frost giant. Yes. and all of that. Okay, because that's one of those things too where I don't go deep with Thor. You know, I mean, obviously I go a little deeper now because we're you know twelve years, thirteen years into the Marvel yeah. Cinematic Universe, and and they've exposed a lot of things. But like, I didn't know. I knew of Thor. I probably had a couple of Thor comics at one point when I was a kid, but I didn't really know the story of Thor. In mm. fact, what I remembered of Thor from a kid, you know, was obviously a very different version of things. It was it was the the Donald Blake character that they sort of alluded yes. to as yes. being an ex of Jane Foster's. That was the secret identity of Thor. He was just a regular dude on Earth named Donald Blake <laughs> who could summon the power of Thor, much like Shazam in yeah. the DC comics. But that but but it, but with it but in reality within the comic book lore, that's not actually what it is. Thor himself took on the identity of Donald Blake while he was on Earth. So, okay, so it's the other way around. So he comes to Earth and he's like, I can't just be, you know, Thor. But but he still had to, it wasn't like he just took off his lab coat and ha-ha, I'm Thor. It's like he no. had to summon, yeah, the, yeah. like he wasn't this hulking figure as no. Donald Blake. He transformed. Sort yeah, of he like transformed into Billy Batson transforms into, into Captain Marvel yeah, or and now Shazam. Act, yeah, and he yeah. acts like a human. Yeah. Okay. When he's okay. Donald Blake. Interesting. So. so, but they. So, what I liked is that they didn't try to do that storyline. Mm-hmm. They just said, "No, Thor's just Thor. Yeah. Let's not get it twisted. I mean, they they sort of made him human here because he gets banished to Earth and all mm-hmm. that. But, but, but really, he's Thor. Yeah. And they alluded to Donald Blake as a as a little cute little wink and a nod to the comic book fans who know that character. Mm. But they're like, no, 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 we're not doing that. This is this guy's just Thor, and and we're just gonna go from there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like. I appreciate that. <laughs> All right, well, let's talk real quick. Yeah. We'll get a little bit more into what we loved about it, what uh, what worked, maybe if there's anything we thought didn't work or whatever. Uh, but as as I mentioned earlier, Chris Hemsworth, uh, Australian actor, unknown uh, for the most very part, very unknown, very small parts that he had had uh, that American audiences may have known him in, but for the most part, an unknown actor here in the U.S. He was very popular in Australia. I think he had been in a in a popular Australian soap opera and mm. done some other things there and and, and well known, but. Uh, but but you know a little bit of a risk. The first time they sort of took a risk in casting an unknown lead in one of their movies for yeah. Marvel. But they they uh, hedged their bet by uh, putting some 
some pretty strong acting yeah. heavyweights alongside him. We already mentioned Sir Anthony Hopkins, uh, Oscar winner, yeah. uh, legendary actor who played the part of Odin, his father. Uh, we also had and and uh, Rene Russo, who was also very well known at the time, who played his mom. Uh, and then, uh, of course, Queen Frigga. Frigga, yep. And then, of course, uh, Natalie Portman. Uh, I don't think she had she won her Oscar at this I point. I think so. I could be wrong. I'm not sure if her Oscar came before or after this, but even even if she hadn't won, she was a very well established uh, and acclaimed actor. Yeah. And so uh, that was good. But. We also had, and it's interesting because we also had in this movie Tom Hiddleston playing Loki, uh, Idris Elba uh, playing Heimdall, both of which are very well-known and acclaimed actors. But at this time, they were still sort of... I They're think they just were, getting started. They were very well-known in the UK. I think they had won some awards. Sort of the, uh, I know uh, Hiddleston yeah. had won uh, <laughs> the equivalent of what we call a Tony over here for Broadway. He had won that in London <laughs> for his work on the West End. And they, uh, Now Idris everybody Elba. wants a piece of Hiddleston or, and Elba. Oh, Hiddleston, Hiddleston and Elba are, are the it actors for sure. Yeah. They're big time. So, everybody wants a piece of them. So so they while while they were taking maybe a little bit of a risk by casting the unknown Chris Hemsworth, they definitely had a lot of quality acting around him to make sure this thing worked. But yes. I think the biggest get here and and rewatching this today I was really struck by this was writer and director um Kenneth Branagh. Wait, did he write it? Did I just make that up? I, I know I... he directed it. I'm pretty sure he was the writer. He was the, the director for sure. He was the oh no, those screenwriters were Ashley Miller, Zach Stentz, and Don Payne, and they had done some previous sci-fi work on TV and in movies. They actually worked on the uh, Fantastic Four Silver Surfer movie, I think. Oh, uh, one wow. or two of those guys did. Oh. So, uh, so they were the writers, but but Kenneth Branagh, I mean, this guy's both acting and directing legend coming in and hmm. taking on Thor was pretty cool. Oh, yeah. And actually, it he, he's was- He's a very Shakespearean actor, uh, a Shakespearean director. Well, an actor. I mean, that's, and, a, that's oh, an that actor, was his training. Right. He's done all kinds of sh- uh, movies uh, that are adaptations of Shakespeare plays. But his, uh, but his presence is what got a lot of these guys to say yes. I know it's what got, huh. I know it's what got um, uh, Hopkins to say yes, and I'm pretty sure Idris Elba also uh, said yes to the movie because of him. And there was a few of the others in the cast that were very much drawn to Kenneth Branagh's presence helming this film. But that was such a beautiful part of this movie was it was this sort of combination of fish out of water meets shakespearean family tragedy yeah. movie and it was beautiful it was a beautiful story i mean once yeah you have the the visuals and the action and all of that but there was a beautiful story yeah. being told here and a beautiful score to go along with it yes score was outstanding yeah especially during the scenes where like especially during the saddest scenes of the film like thor's banishment and uh and the moment where thor tries to pick up his hammer but he couldn't great and moment sc- screams at the top of his lungs those, the, those, those two scenes had very beautiful scores. Yeah, it, it, I, I don't know. I don't know what it is. I don't know if I'm in a mood right now or what. But I, I found myself more, way more touched watching the movie, emotionally touched watching the movie, uh, than I was even a few weeks ago when we watched mm-hmm. it the first time we tried to record this episode of the podcast. Yeah. Um, and I don't know what that was. I don't know. It was just, I, I th- maybe I just, now that I'm seeing it again for the, you know, I hadn't watched this movie in years. Mm. And then, yeah, this, that whole, that final moment when 
when Thor destroys uh, the Rainbow Bridge, the Bifrost. <laughs> the Bifrost. Uh, I'm going to call it the Rainbow Bridge. And uh, he he uh, he and Loki are, get kind of blown into the air, and he he grabs Loki, and then Odin, who's just awoken from the Odin sleep. Let's talk about that for a second. The Odin sleep. <laughs> okay, okay. They just at some point Odin just goes into the Odin sleep, and again, I say to the credit of the the film they don't <laughs> attempt to explain to us what the heck the odin sleep is they're just like yeah he's in the odin sleep and and i'm watching <laughs> the movie going the odin sleep huh okay uh, whatever now like i it, don't understand the, that but you tell me it, he's in the odin sleep it's like, it's he's like in a, the odin sleep it's a state of um yeah, it, it, it's a sleep that Odin has to go and do. Okay. I picked up on that. I read the clues uh, uh, on that. Okay. It, it's basically um, like a state that Odin has to go into every now and then in order to- Like a regenerative like, yeah, type, like a re- of Yeah, thing. like a regenerative uh, state, if you will. Like, yeah. Like every now and then, like, yeah. So. Yeah, I thought that was that was a funny thing. But anyway, so he, he has now awoken. He shows up, obviously, s- grabs Thor, saves him. Loki, he's holding on to Thor, who's holding on to Loki- uh, try not to get sucked into the, you know, infinite blackness of outer space, <laughs> and uh, yeah, and there's that moment that when Loki's okay. trying to appeal to his father, and you see this like this is a guy who, who has gone through this journey of realizing he's not who he thought he was. Mm-hmm. He's he's part of this what he's been raised to see as the sort of enemy race of beings and. Uh, is kind of probably disgusted with himself in that and is feeling disconnected from his father and his family and is is has all of this mixed up emotion of both trying to get revenge but trying to seek approval and trying to show his worth and his value but and he's just a mess and there's this final moment of like Trying to appeal to his father. I could have done it yeah. for you, for all of us. And, like, like, and Odin's just, you know, no Loki. No and, Loki. And you just see this moment of sadness and and a resolve of almost despair as he lets go and yeah. casts himself yeah. into the infinite reaches of Yeah, and see that's the, and that's the one of the nine thing- realms. Again, <laughs> nine realms? Okay. Well, <laughs> See, that's one of the things I love about this movie is that as much as it is Thor's story, it's also Loki's story. Absolutely, yeah. and and um and like and this and that revelation scene of Loki finding out he is a frost giant is also a pretty heartbreaking scene. Like with uh with Odin, like or like with with Loki kind of confronting Odin about mm-hmm. it, and like like well, like why didn't like why would you take me? And then like. Like and Odin basically tells him that we, I took you because because I thought maybe I could like, like we like we could us the Asgardians and the Frost Giants could bring about peace with each other through you, right? And so and and Loki is like kind of shocked and can and he's like so I'm no more than another one of your stolen relics that you can use whenever it benefits you or basically yeah and, and like and Odin's like like don't tw- Loki don't twist my words and like he's. And he says, "Why didn't you just tell me what I was from the beginning?" And like he says, "I wanted like you're my son. I only wanted to protect you from the truth. Why? Because I I'm a monster that parents tell their children about at night. Mm-hmm. And like, 
Like, yeah. and, and he says, like, now it all makes sense. Like, why you favor Thor all these years? Because no matter how much you claim to love me, you don't want to have a frost giant sitting on the throne of Asgard. And I, and what what really nails that scene for me is is Hiddleston's performance, oh, along yeah. with the dialogue. Like Hiddleston's performance in that in that scene is makes it all the more sad. Yeah, you had back to back scenes, or or more or less back to back scenes, where you s- really got to see some of the the acting just the the powerhouse actors that we have in this movie where yeah. you first and really centering around Anthony Hopkins where you first had his interaction with Thor after right before rather he banishes Thor yeah. uh, to earth and that whole interaction between the two of them followed by the interaction you just described between Loki and Thor where you have Tom Hiddleston and and Anthony Hopkins just giving a, a master class on dramatic yeah. Shakespearean acting. It was it was very good. It was very good. It was so very good. fun. And and it and it and it's part of I think what what for for me as an audience member coming into this somewhat skeptically, I think it that is part of what allowed me to buy in to this idea of Thor, to this idea of space as a part of this universe that they're starting to build with with Marvel is was the quality of the performances in this film. I I remember just being so surprised by how much I enjoyed this movie yeah. on all levels. It, it was there was action, obviously, like I said, the great storytelling, the Shakespearean tragedy element, the fish out of water parts, the humor used very effectively yes. in, in the fish the out of water. Humor was used very parts. well. Um, I, I think one of my favorite humorous moments in this movie was um, it, it was the moment where Thor wakes up in the hospital and the doctor is taking his blood, and and Thor goes, "How dare you attack the son of Odin!" <laughs> and the security guards come in, and he's yeah. b- fighting them too. And then he goes, "You're no match for the mighty." And then they inject him with something that knocks him. Un- they, they, yeah, right. <laughs> it knocks. They put. They sedate him basically. I, I do enjoy. I do enjoy the 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 sort of teaser, like he's going to call himself the Mighty Thor, yeah. which is of course the the comic book was always called the Mighty Thor. Yeah, yeah. And then and yet you know he gets stopped before he can do it. Yeah. But well, and, and those were and those were great moments. There was a couple of those moments where he's 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 living in this idea of himself as this sort of invincible immortal uh, demigod of a being yeah. but he's been reduced to human form by Odin and he hasn't totally picked up on that yet and so there's a couple of those moments where when Darcy tases him earlier yeah. and then he gets injected by Ooh. that and, and of course every time he gets hit by a car and oh, yeah. knocked over <laughs> and that happens you know, twice yeah it's it's very funny. the The fish out of water parts were were played very were done very well. Not over the top, not ridiculously. Just just uh, for I think appropriate comic relief yeah. uh, within. Actually, the film. another favorite moment of mine from this movie is when Thor walks into a pet shop and he goes, "I need a horse." Yeah, looking for a horse. <laughs> and then when he tells him he only has cats and dogs, yeah, give me one of those big enough to ride. It's like very, very funny, very well done. All right. Well, let's. Uh, what else? What else happens in this movie? We 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 obviously uh, we get all of that. We were introduced to uh, some characters that are going to be very relevant going yes. forward in the MC. Well, we, we start starting with Thor. Uh, well, uh, besides the the main characters in the movie, oh, I mean, right. these are more subtle subtle introductions to characters like, for example. Uh, Hawkeye, anyone? Yes. Yeah, I re- I do yes. remember that. I remember very much oh, being yeah, aware of him grabbing the crossbow and instead thinking, of the gun. Huh? Is this Hawkeye? 
Like, yeah. are they going to show oh, us yeah. Hawkeye? I, th- I, I think you leaned over to me and you were like, do you know who that is? And I'm like, who? And you were like, 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 think about it. He grabbed a bow instead of the arrow. I mean, I mean, sorry. <laughs> what am I kidding? He grabbed the bow instead of the gun. And I'm like, oh, it's Hawkeye. <laughs> yeah, you were very excited. You were very excited. Uh, so, and that was fun. It was a little teaser, obviously. We yeah, didn't, we didn't get to see him in action. We he just had a, got f- a little. He bit had a few. He had a few lines. Couple but, of lines. Yeah, yep. but um, but uh, Jeremy he Renner's got to get paid. He yep. didn't get to shoot his arrow. <laughs> Which is unfortunate. Yeah. Well, it's unfortunate, but we'll get more of that later. We'll obviously. get more of that. We we obviously we got to re meet Clark Gregg, who shows up as Agent Phil Coulson, who's who's been a regular uh, a, a a thread of continuity, if you will, yes. for the Shield element in these uh, films. Yes, and uh, in a in a different sort of small role, um, we get Agent Sitwell. I don't yes. I don't have the actor's name in front of me. I apologize. Right, uh, Agent yeah, Sitwell. Yeah, Agent actor. Jasper. But, Agent Jasper Sitwell. Who who we don't think anything of other than he's just filling a suit to interact with yeah. Coulson a little bit. And we see him in a few of the But movies. he is going to be relevant going forward. Not not in a not in a big uh like his character doesn't necessarily have a large arc. No, but, no, no, no. But he is but going to be presence. very relevant in some storytelling as we go forward uh within uh, the MCU. So yes. very fun there. Uh loved the juxtaposition of the the sort of spare the the spareness of the small New Mexico desert town that this mm-hmm. film takes place in uh, versus the majestic wonder of Asgard yeah. as we sort of ping back and forth between these two sites for the most part in this movie uh, I thought that was that was very well done and uh, uh, yeah as you pointed out the score is great uh, I don't know uh, what what other things uh, stood out to you watching this movie uh, well I, I love the post credit scene as well so uh, er, we see Dr. Selvig enter a, uh, enter a shield facility and Nick Fury calls him over Nick Fury played by Samuel L. Jackson <laughs> and, he, and he tells him that he's been hearing about the New Mexico situation and that and that he's been very impressed by Dr. Selvik's work. And 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 um Selvik tells him like I I really don't have a lot to work with when it comes to proving this theory that I have. This I mean the gateway to another dimension, god beings or whatever. It's like I don't I mean it's all it's all ridiculous, isn't it? And and then Fury tells him that legend tells us one thing, history another. But every now and then, we find something that belongs to both. And he opens a case that re- is revealed to be some mysterious cube. Now, that cube will go on to play a big role in future films. And, and well, just we know the what the cube is. We've seen it. No, we've not. Oh, no, we, we have, have not we have seen, not seen, seen it. We have You're not right. seen it. This is me getting ahead of myself yes. because I've already seen all these movies. Okay. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Now, You're right. Now, when I saw that post-credit scene, I thought, "Oh, that's the cosmic cube." And the cosmic cube oh, in the comics, yeah, in the comic books, is 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 an artifact that Red Skull was trying to get was getting was after. Yes, like he he was after in the comic books, and uh, so I thought, "Oh, so so I thought that's going to be used in Captain America when we're going to see that." Mm-hmm. But of course, it wasn't. It didn't just turn out as we will find out in future films. It didn't just turn out to be the cosmic cube. It was something much bigger. Yes. But um but we'll get to that in another movie. Like the next movie. Two movies. Oh oh yeah, you're right. The next movie. Oh yeah, I nailed it. <laughs> <laughs> yes. But anywho, but that's not all that's revealed. When he asks uh, when Selvik asks asks Fury like what is it? Fury tells him that it's power and if we can tap into it, maybe unlimited power. And then 
in the, in the reflection behind Selvik, we see that Loki is alive. Alive and sort of present and here on Earth. And he is controlling Selvik. Well, or, le- or I think, rather, uh, he is in his brain. He's kind of whispering in his ear a little bit. I think. Yeah, something like I don't, that. He's not really controlling him in that moment. I don't think. I, I, I do. I do remember in the moment watching the movie, not being sure if it was like a total. He's totally controlling him thing, but I don't think yet at that. That's point. That's right. That yeah. doesn't come till later. Yeah, you're right. But I think he's sort of, you know, he's the god of mischief. He can kind of whisper in your ear a little bit yeah. and plant ideas and thoughts, mm-hmm. and I think that's what we saw there. That's right. So, uh, but I could be wrong. Anybody yeah. out there with better knowledge on that, feel free. Point figure. is, it looks like Loki <laughs> is after the Tesseract. Yes. Well, or, we don't know what that is. You, you well, mean the cosmic I, 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 cube? I mean the cosmic what's, cube. What's a Tesseract? What is this Tesseract? What is this weird okay. made-up word you're speaking okay, of? Okay, it, it's called the Tesseract. We do know that's coming. It's the Tesseract. We'll talk about it in the next movie. Yes. Stan Lee, we've got a Stan Lee sighting. Yes. Tell us about the Stanley sighting. Uh, it takes place at the site where Mjolnir, Thor's hammer, crashed in New Mexico. Everyone's trying to lift it. People have set up barbecues there, <laughs> which I thought was fun. They're playing old seventies hits. Yeah, and uh, I can help. By Billy Swan. And someone uses a truck to try and get the hammer off. It doesn't work. The no. truck breaks, it and does. and the driver of that truck was Stanley. Stanley saying, baby. "Did it work?" Late great Stan Lee. Thanks for being there. Yeah. All right. We miss you, Stan. Uh, great performances, of course. Uh, we should at least throw out Stellan Skarsgård as Eric Selvig, Kat Dennings as Darcy Lewis, mainly because we will be seeing those people again. The Lady Sif and the Warriors 3, we're going to see those characters again later. Ray Stevenson. Uh, Sif was kind Chad of underused. Osano, Josh Dallas, Jamie Alexander. Uh, those, those are your sort of primary uh, characters that we haven't yet mentioned that yeah. uh, we'll see those characters again a little bit, definitely in the next Thor movie, and and uh, yeah, and then we'll sort of finish them off later, so to speak, and literally what? What else? Oh, let's talk yeah, we numbers. Gotta, we got what? We, we got to talk numbers. How did this movie yes. do? So this was the fourth movie in the franchise. It was uh, a critical reception to this movie was uh, you know pretty good. Uh, Rotten Tomatoes uh, scored it a seventy seven percent with critics. Uh, 76% from the audience. Uh, Metacritic, uh, it, it scored at 57% with critics, which uh, is what they brand as mixed reviews. IMDb, we saw it get a 7 out of 10 score. Uh, so again, uh, overall positive reviews for Thor, much mm. like the previous two movies, but still nothing that uh, reaches the critical acclaim of their first film, Iron Man. That's yeah. kind of where we are in this journey. Box office, Big box office opening weekend of $65.7 million, which made it number one at the box office uh, on its opening weekend, uh, followed immediately by Fast Five, <laughs> uh, which scored $32 million in its second weekend, though. Uh, the first movie, the, the closest movie to Thor that was premiering back in... Uh, Whenever this was, uh, 2000, a, 2000, April of 2011, May of 2011. May of 2011. Uh, that's right. May of 2011 was uh, something called Jumping the Broom, which uh-huh. had $15 million. I, bl- I don't know what that was. Uh, something Borrowed also premiered with a $14 million box office. What we've seen so far with, I believe, all four of our films so far, 
really no competition on its opening weekend at yeah. the box office. But still, a big weekend, big opening weekend uh, for them. Domestically, the film grossed $181 million, and globally, $449.3 million after being made on a budget of $150 million. I would say the film did okay. Uh, yes. In 2011, it finished eighth uh, for the year domestically at the box office, and globally, worldwide, it finished 15th. Uh, would you like me to tell you the seven films that finished ahead of it in the United States in 2011? Go for it. Uh, what What's interesting, <clears throat> I think for uh, for people who have a problem with the number of sequels that get made in Hollywood these days, uh, <laughs> 2011 is a case study in bad sequels being successful at the box office. Oh boy. So here we go. Number one... Uh, Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Part Two. I heard that one was good. Heard that was good. We didn't. We didn't watch those. I never got Sorry. into Harry Sorry, Potter, Harry but Potter I've heard. But I've heard good things. Number two, Transformers: Dark of the Moon. Definitely. Oof. Yeah. Yeah, Number three, Twilight Saga: Breaking Dawn Part One. Also. Oof. Ouch. Number four, The Hangover Part Two. Number five, Pirates of the Caribbean on Stranger Tides. Oof. Uh, at number six, Fast Five. Also oof. And uh, at number seven, Cars 2. Oh, and then we get to number eight, Thor, <laughs> which uh, oh, finished eighth at the box office that year. So very interesting. Uh, again, worldwide it finished 15th. But again, a successful movie. You can't say it wasn't successful, but it's interesting because we tend to think of these movies now as like the most successful movie. Yeah, ever. yeah, and like it's no one so can interesting <laughs> to go back and realize. I think that I think Iron Man made such a splash when it or when it arrived that we forget those next few movies. Yeah, they just kind of they did well. They were yeah. big hits, big blockbusters, but it wasn't like they were changing the world yet. yet. That's coming up in a couple more movies, and yes. we'll get there. But so it's just kind of fun to go back and and uh, remember all of that. Uh, all right, you know what we need to do? We need to rank the villain. I was Evan. just gonna say that. So who who are we considering the villain in this? Is it Loki? Is it uh, the uh, Frost Giants? Uh, uh, gee, I wonder who it is. <laughs> it's got to be Loki, right? It, oh, it's, of course, it's Loki. All right, he's the. Well, we can do. Well, I'm. Well, I had both of them. You had the Frost Giants also. Yeah, I don't have a score for the Frost Giants. Well, I'm I but just I'll let you specifically Laufey. What What did you? How did you score Laufey? Well, just out of curiosity, I'm gonna, ra- I'm gonna rate Loki first. All right, rate Loki first. Yeah, because lo- I'm rating Loki first because he's our main villain. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this, by the way, scale of one to ten, we're just giving the 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 villains a score. The reason we're doing this, Marvel oftentimes has a oftentimes has a tendency to, uh, you know, not necessarily develop their villains very well. But every especially, now and then, especially with a few of but them. But every now and then, they hit it very well. Oh, yeah. And I think that this might be a case of that. Go ahead with Loki. Yeah, Loki. Loki I'm I'm giving a nine out of ten. He was a, he was such a great villain. I think that's a good score. I, I think that's probably where I will sit too as a nine. Uh, yeah, it was just such a well developed character, and that as as I said, the whole Shakespearean arc of of the events taking place on Asgard in this film were fantastic. And Loki, obviously. 
both Hiddleston, crediting Hiddleston for his performance acting in the role yeah. uh, and obviously for the development of that character, the writers, yeah. and, and Kenneth Branagh as a director, knowing how to pull those kind of performances. Yeah, and, 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 the thi- and the thing is, like, yeah, he, he's, as much as he is a tragic character and, like, kind of a sad character, he's also mischievous and he's also manipulative. Yeah, because, like, he uses his manipulative skills to basically kind of achieve his goals by luring Laufey into a trap by the end of the movie. So, and speaking of Laufey... Oh, um, yeah, what did you score Laufey? Uh, I don't have a score I, for Laufey. Let I, me think about it. I, I gave him, like, a 5 out of 10. Yeah, I don't even think I'd go that high. But, I mean, he was, he was well, fine. The but. only reason I gave him a 5 is because he has that personal connection to Loki that they don't explore sure. too much. But right. the fact that he was a... But the fact that he was a... Like, the fact that he was, like, the real father of Loki is kind of adds to that a bit. But but he doesn't even know that. I know. They never even reveal that. No, yeah. Loki so. just straight up murders him. Yeah. He if, never tells if, him. If anything, yeah, if anything, the whole Laufey thing is kind of more of an impact on Loki than on Laufey. Laufey's a device. Laufey's a device to get us to uh, yeah, you know the what? development I'm, of you Loki's know what? I'm changing. You know what? I'm changing the rating. I'm, 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 I'm uh... I'm giving him a four. I'm not even going to rate Lofi. Lofi, I mean, you know, Lofi was a fine character for what he was, but I don't feel like it's fair to rate Lofi as a villain here. Because still, still, though, I mean, he was a minor villain in like the beginning. You're of the right. Movie. I'll give him a three. I'll throw him a bone as a three. How about that? I'm giving him a four. The same rating as Whiplash. Is, what did I give Whiplash? Do you remember? Same I, thing. I need to go back and write. You gave him a four. Mm. Okay, I'll stay with my three. Though you might have then. changed it because Mickey Rourke said that Marvel movies aren't good. I think I was joking. About <laughs> I, I know. All right, I'm, I'm kidding. I'll give Lofi um, a three. All right, let's rank the movies. We got to wrap this up. So we've got uh, four movies so far. We've got uh, Iron Man, uh, The Incredible Hulk, Iron Man Two, and now Thor. How do you rank these movies in order, favorite to least favorite? Okay. Uh, so far, um, my favorite so far, I think, has been Iron Man. Mm-hmm. And then right now, my uh, the, my second favorite currently is Thor. And and my third favorite would be The Incredible Hulk. And my fourth would be Iron Man Two. And I think I line right up with you. Cool. Iron Man, Thor, Incredible Hulk, Iron Man Two. Yes, I think that's exactly how I would rank these movies. All right. We gotta wrap this up. This has been good. We gotta. We're gonna crank out another one. I think later this week because we are behind because of our technical behind. difficulties that we have now, hopefully, remedied forever. Um, but uh, in the meantime, uh, enjoy this episode. We'll be back, and uh, we will be back with, with Captain America: The First Avenger. That's right. Looking forward to it. Chris Evans returning to the world of Marvel in a <laughs> yes. brand new role. We'll talk yeah. about that. We'll talk so about much that more. next time. <laughs> Pop of the culture. We're out. We are out.